half a day. Tiro, Yakwe, Mogatin, Raninim, Lenwo, Kasselelie, Ali, and hello. And thank you for tuning in. Welcome to One Canoe Podcast, brought to you by Micronesia Climate Change Alliance. On this platform, we will be discussing our climate justice work and community projects that help us navigate into a more just, sustainable, and culturally rooted future. We are many islands, many voices on this one canoe. Hafadei, Guahusi Christian, and today I am joined with Minyeka and Kami, and today we are hosts for episode two of One Canoe Podcast, brought to you by the Micronesia Climate Change Alliance. Today we are joined with our special guest, Phil Cruz. <laughs> and I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hafadei, guys, I'm Phil Cruz. Uh, I've, been I've been living in Guam my whole life. I was um, pretty much raised in Chalampago, but I now live in Tumuning with, I have uh, two roommates, my partner, Louis Meskin, uh, and our, our friend, Allison Hadley. She's the director for GAIN. I always feel like I have to add that when I talk about Ali. Um, I, let's see, I PMBA, the Professional Master of Business Administration from UOG in 2017. I received my, um, my Bachelor's of Business Administration undergrad in 2012. I Graduated from Notre Dame High School in 2008. Go Royals. <laughs> and I'm a Leo. <laughs> My birthday's in next month in July. I'm a summer baby. Oh, <laughs> you're a July Leo. I'm a July Leo, yeah. So Phil, you're really awesome because you have been in this like sustainability, making Guam green and our island more beautiful and sustainable for so long. So you definitely helped to develop and grow that student organization which is still around years after you grad you graduated from um, undergrad and you've been such a big player for our island and a role model for so many when it comes to leading a more conscious and sustainable life um, and we wanted to really find out in this episode today a little bit more about you and and your own journey of being more sustainable but when it comes to like I guess how was sustainability modeled to you growing up? And how did you learn about it? And how did you become passionate and even get your career to be about sustainability? And what does sustainability mean to you? You know that, yeah, I, I've been asked that a few times. And I, it, it, sometimes when I think about like, you know, why, why am I like, why am I, am I the way I am today? And I don't really know exactly why, but, you know, I guess it's everything, right? Everything in our lives, they, they, all build up to who we are today um and I, I feel like for like sustainability it started with like being resourceful and conserving resources and I feel like I remember growing up I, I always wanted to save power and save water and save paper and I don't really know why I felt I, I remember my specifically it was my, my dad who would always just like get on get on our case about you know how much power we're using and water and I always assumed it was it was, um, I know that it was, you know, I know, I knew it was expensive. I knew that we needed to save money. Um, but I, I, I always just felt like, you know, we're using these resources and we don't want to use them up. And I guess I, I guess at an early age, I, I had an idea that these resources were not infinite. Well, you know, where uh, the, the water and where we get our energy from. And so I think I felt like I, I did, I think also I'm, I mean, I don't want to sound like, um, because I, I I don't I don't want to seem like I'm um I'm this great person, but I feel like I want to be considerate. I've always felt like like I don't want to 
I always want to make sure that I, I I leave something for someone else. I don't want to take everything for myself. I try I try hard not to because I'll feel bad. I always feel like this guilt if I use up everything and I don't leave something for the next person. So I think that's kind of how I always have that in the back of my mind with um when I you know when I'm using resources, whatever whether it's water, power. I um, think that's innately like a Chamorro thing too. I think mm, that's whenever, mm-hmm. you know how they say, oh, that last piece of whatever, we yeah. always leave it on the plate. And I always felt like that's us just consciously wanting to remember that we want to leave something right. for either the next generation or for the spirits or whatever. But like if that idea of um, not wanting to take everything and not wanting to use everything up, is, I think I, I personally, um, that was modeled to me growing up. And I don't know about you two. If that's something that you were definitely aware of in regards to energy use or food or just if that's a shared common moral value, you think? Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the that um, not a custom, not more custom, but like, um, what do you, what do you, it's not a custom where you don't take everything from the plate. And you just but, leave that one piece? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Well, I, it's funny because I was always, because I've heard about that growing up, but I thought it was because if you take the last piece and you have to wash the dishes so I thought that, that was, but yeah, I love your no the, but your explanation is so much nicer like a wholesome yeah very wholesome <laughs> I, we still do it at restaurants where we don't have to worry about the dishes you know like right. it's like very much but you know it's funny because I think if like if my friends are listening right now they're gonna be like oh hell no oh heck no Phil would, would take that last bite <laughs> that's the Leo in you basically I think yeah, for me, I'm kind of opposite. Like, sometimes, like, I know that last piece is there, so I'm, like, kind of excited. Like, at least I know that last Olympia is going to be there for me, so I'm like, score! No, I'm the, one, I'm, I'm the one that asks, like, like, oh, is, is anyone, does anyone have any interest in this last bite? And they're like, no, Phil, go ahead. It's, that's yours. I know you want it, so. But that's, yeah, that's... I did want to ask another question about your childhood. Was there one thing that you've learned from your childhood about sustainability, about being considerate for the planet or other people that you brought into your work in like outreach or you brought into your like day-to-day life right now? You know, that's that's what I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember like what, what lesson was I taught or what, you know, like what show did I watch on TV that taught mm-hmm. me that? Or, and, and I can't really pinpoint it. Like I literally remember when um, I started playing video games and, you know, we would... Um, I guess people were born in the '90s. You would you would go online and look for um, the guides on in t- mm-hmm. how to complete a video game, and I would print it out. But I would want to make sure I would print it on either used paper or print it front and back. Oh. And I would literally like sit in front of the printer trying to make sure that I get this right, or make the font really small so I don't use too much paper. And I would be so angry at myself if I didn't do it right. And I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I really don't. So I I can't really pinpoint what lesson it was. I don't know if it was just me like that that's just how it that's just how it was there's there's got to be something i'm sure i there's do something. remember that commercial about like brushing your teeth and turning off the water or something mm. like that but yeah i grew up in a very energy conscious house too and my son too i was i was just over overhearing a conversation with my boy like scolding his cousins like you don't pay the power bill you should turn off the lights <laughs> or whatever it was but it was just like yeah i don't think that i was ever it was definitely just something that was modeled to me about, you know, really being aware of not just the money aspect, but definitely like all of these things aren't forever. Mm-hmm. And we really do need to make a conscious effort to take care of it yeah. so that it can last as long as possible for the people that come after us. So like fast forward to now, um, like role models do you have or like what 
people in sustainability or in your field do you like find inspiration from Peggy Denny oh Oh my god Peggy yeah (laughs) she's the the real Miss Earth right (laughs) (laughs) for those who don't know Peggy Denny she's the administrator for the Irish Cycle program and it's a it's a local program that's been around in Guam for I want to say since like 2008 or maybe even earlier and they have they it's a group of businesses in Guam who support this program that collect helps to collect cans at um, different schools around the island and the these aluminum cans that are collected gets uh, sold for 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 a profit and all that that money gets goes back into the schools and so actually that's uh, Peggy's who I learned all about like recycling and uh, reducing waste and um the whole zero the whole idea of zero waste is um from from Peggy uh, and and yeah she's been she's someone who I you know I would just reach out to when I we just needed advice on different projects for for my work at, at the University of Guam, and and I feel like she's just someone that everyone, uh, almost everyone on the island knows of Peggy Denny and all the work that she's she does. And we see her at all the different events around the island, like literally waist deep in trash bins, like taking out sorting all the trash as much as possible. And you see her her energy and that she doesn't she just doesn't get tired. She doesn't give up. She's always positive and happy. And I think that's something that's um, what makes her a role model to me. Yeah. yeah, Peggy has been in the game for a minute now, but so have you. I actually met you 10 years ago, maybe 2011 or 2012, at the UOG Sustainability Conference, and you were part of, yeah, UOG Green Army. But, you know, what keeps you in the game so long? Like, what do you find most passionate about your work? And where do you find the field to keep on going? I I think, it, you know, it's, it's, my, it's the team that I have at, at um, the Center for Island Sustainability and Sea Grant. I think our... The, I think the fact that we all really kind of share this common, common value, the common values that we share with sustainability, the love for our island, um, love for people, and caring for the future, just, just, just being really caring and wanting to make things better, I think that's really what keeps me going. I, I know that I've, I have been there for a while, and a lot of people think, you know, I'm a millennial, I'm supposed to be like jumping around to different jobs, and I've literally been at that job for since like officially full-time since 2012 and I'm still there and I don't have any plans on leaving anytime soon as you know as long as they keep keep me there I'm gonna stay there can I cut in and just say something that didn't even make it to Fawn Fawn we recorded it in like a confessional but we lost the footage but I remember my first like door into sustainability was actually i don't know if you remember yeah. dr, dr. Jay's, yeah yeah dr j's class and i was like sitting in the front row with my two other friends and i was just like i need to get on this like i don't know why i have plastic bags i don't know why i'm using straws i don't know why i don't have cutlery in my bag right now like i need to get on it because the turtles are dying <laughs> i i remember that i i, I do and it's funny i remember we um we took a group photo, a class photo at the end, mm. and I think you posted it on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then I remember you followed us, and then I remember, because I was, I was managing the Instagram at the time, <laughs> and I saw that. I was like, oh, this is the girl that, you know, at the end of the class, she was super motivated, and, mm. and she wanted to, to promote us. And then we started getting some follow- some additional followers, because <laughs> I noticed that you were quite the influencer as well, and so thank you for that. <laughs> no, but that but was I really do good. remember that. I, I honestly really love hearing those stories when just people coming back and saying, you know, Phil, like, I don't know if you guys, so you guys know Josefa Munoz, 
So she, she was our sea turtle biologist at Sea Grant, and now she's um, with uh, University of Hawaii getting her, her graduate degree. Yeah, um, she's actually on island right now doing some uh, field work. But um, I remember when, I remember she, was t she told me after she started working with us, she said, you know, Phil, when I was a student, um, and you, I, I guess I did gave a, the same presentation to her class at the time. She said she literally went out and bought herself a hydro flask. Right. And yeah. she was like, I cannot be buying plastic water bottles anymore. And so I thought that was pretty. Yeah. So hearing these stories, it's always nice. It makes me feel like, okay, I'm doing something right. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I think after, after watching your presentation in class, I went home and I watched the Chasing Coral mm -hmm. documentary because you guys like recommended it. And I remember like Zozinfelli and all of that stuff that you taught us and. It was really like that. Like an aha touching. moment. Yeah, yeah, right. And it takes, honestly, what was the most impactful part for me was that it just blows my mind how like much passion and how much time you still put into it, even though it's like, you know, something that you you started from at school and you've mm -hmm. like made it a part of your life. So that too, like that was something that was admirable for me. Yeah, I wanted to like you know you you were both expo you exposed a lot to both Christian and Cami and their youth and I think doing a lot of and Micronesia Climate Change Alliance too does a lot of our messaging that's youth geared mm -hmm. and I wanted to see if you have any like different strategies that you that you automatically know of and go to for different demographics and generate and and the generations because sustainability is about you know it needs to be all of us right it really does need to be every single individually individual making those different shifts in their livelihoods so that we are using things for or um saving things mm -hmm. at, for future generations so you do, do or even if there's do you have any challenges when working with different generations and how yeah. do you like um i guess strategize yeah uh, your outreach for elders or for young kids versus you know they, they were like fresh out of high school when they met you yeah i you know but yeah when we when we go out and do our outreach we try i always try to think you know who's the audience who, who am i going to be talking to and i always try to think like uh, what what is most concerning to them like if i know i know if i'm talking to parents right uh, um, parents of young kids i know that they're concerned about their kids and about their kids well-being so i um i kind of, i kind of talk i try to talk about sustainability, how it's important for us to be sustainable to, so that we have these resources for the future generation. So I'm hoping that it will inspire parents to make changes so that their kids mm -hmm. can have, you know, beautiful beaches to recreate at and, and um, you know, a beautiful island to call home and not a trashed island. And then for, let's say, the, the uh, you know, younger kids, I feel like they're just so much more impressionable, like um, just kind of showing them. I, I feel like when it's a lot younger kids, I kind of just show them excitement, like saying like, you know, these things can be fun. These things can be, um, you know, like recycling can be fun, right? You know, or or to, um, be, the role model, be the role models in your household to your parents. And I think kids like to do that. They like to tell their parents like, you know, mommy, let's not, you know, let's bring our own reusable bag when you go shopping or at the restaurant, you know, um, we don't need straws at our table kind of thing. And I think that's how I kind of um, strategize. I kind of just think about who's the audience, what do they care about, what would motivate them to change their behaviors. Yeah, so you mentioned like reusable straws and bags. Can you also give the listeners like more tips and tricks on how to be sustainable? Maybe not spending money, but... We were talking about this too, like what is like Phil's survival guide? But because you've been doing it for so long, 
one thing that we've learned recently is like buying is not the answer like buying reusable stuff is also not the answer it's mm -hmm. also like reusing the stuff that we already have and then like if you go on your instagram which i also stopped today because we were looking for a picture of you too <laughs> but we know that you are an owner of cats mm -hmm. and so like as an animal lover as a person who is like on the go like doing outreach and like you have like all of these reusable stuff with you would you have like maybe top three things or top three tips that you would say is like your fill survival guide yeah so definitely yeah thanks for that um what i always try to have with me in my in my bag or in my car that to make sure that i don't use like like just the really easy uh, not easy but the the items I really want to avoid, right? Styrofoam, plastic bags, plastic utensils, and whatnot. So I try to just um, have like a little reusable bag. And so like any just any bag, and I'm pretty sure everyone has some type of bag at home. So in that bag, just put some type of food container, and it could be like an old whipped cream container, you know, anything that you have. Um, and then like like a fork, you know, it doesn't have to. You don't have to go out and buy a special bamboo fork. It could just really literally be a fork from your from your drawer. Um, and a water and a bottle, like a bottle for for water, because that's one thing that like I'm I'm always I'm trying to hydrate. I'm always mm -hmm. trying to make sure make sure I stay hydrated. And I'm so stubborn. I really refuse to buy um water like bottled water. So I always try to make sure I have my reusable water bottle with me, and I always try to fill it up at home before I leave home. And then when I go places, try to find places that have a, a water refilling station of some sort. So you're. Reusable bag, bag, your reusable food container, and your water bottle. And a utensil. And a utensil. Because I feel like with the way things are lately, um, when you're out on the go and you're dining out, especially like at a food court, food trucks, uh, or when you take food to go, they all, they like, we, these you know, restaurants will almost always give you um, like a, right, a styrofoam plate, mm -hmm. disposable, like a plastic utensil, and then a plastic bag. So if you have these things, you can just let them know, like, I have all these things, I don't need any of the disposable versions and then you're good to go yeah. and you don't uh, yeah you don't really have to invest much um i know i use a fork from home I yeah you literally <laughs> can just yeah get a fork out of your drawer and... she has like three container um so another question i had too and that's really great sound advice that everyone can start right now and you have been doing and you work in a really um encouraging space <laughs> that that encourages that sort of behavior but what are so how have you seen over the last almost 10 years now doing this work professionally how have you seen Guam progress when it comes to sustainability I think more I think more and more people are already have that have the initial awareness like they are aware of these issues I think um what we need people to do now is like have I think we just need to encourage people to take action like so people know that you know plastic bags are not the best for the environment but maybe they they don't they're not motivated to bring their own bag when they go shopping so we just need to motivate them or or um what is the other thing I was thinking about just now um so it's motivating them and then also giving people like like the resources of like they know recycling like okay I should recycle but in Guam, it's you know if we're being real, it's it's really inconvenient. Recycling is not convenient here in Guam for a variety of different reasons that are beyond our um, our control. But um, just giving people the resource, like you know, th um, this is where you can take cans. This is where you can take um, paper, for example, cardboard. And a lot of times, it's we can't take it anywhere. A lot of a lot of like plastic, for example, other other than saving twos and fives for your precious plastics program. 
um, and, and reusing these plastic items at home, there's really nothing else we can do with them. So it's just kind of giving people a resource and then motivating people to, to take, to make changes daily, like daily changes and, and build habits, build good habits. We, you gave a little bit of insight of this on in our last season of From a, From Anonymous Foreigners, but I wanted to like just bring it up again too. And if you guys have any questions too, like what do you mm -hmm. think insofar as like policy? Because right now mm -hmm. we've been talking about about a lot of individual choices and habits, but what do you think we need to be doing to move forward policy wise when it comes to things like recycling and energy and um, just being all the more sustainable on our little island? Yeah, well, we, so, um, you may, I'm not sure if you guys already talked about this um, in previous interviews or whatnot, but we do already have our plastic bag ban that's set for, um, so this year, right, we're um, non-biodegradable plastic bags are banned, and then January 1st, 2022, um, all plastic carryout, single-use carryout bags will be banned, and then by, I believe, July 1st, 2022, um, paper bags will be banned, except for food and beverage establishments. So that's already in place. And um, that's a great one for the plastic bag issue. I think um, the next step we need to do is now um, focus on like um, uh, to-go food containers, because that's a huge one. That's like, especially because of the pandemic, it has, oh my God, I'm sure if you we, if we were to find the sales of, of the single-use clamshell containers, I'm sure it's skyrocketed um, because of all the to-go and and especially with all the commodities too, the yeah yeah no foods. <laughs> yes exactly right you we have like what three services on the island for the where you can get an app mm -hmm. and have people deliver food to you and they mm -hmm. all come in styrofoam and plastic yeah. bags and it's um but you know people need to eat their food right but we just there 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 are there are alternatives it's just a matter of um and, and of course right we can't if you just say you know if you just tell people like oh this is the you know biodegradable is a better alternative it's a lot more expensive. So that's where um, policy would help because if there's a policy in place and it, it's required, then you know you don't really have that as a business owner. You don't have the option to use a you know if you have to pick between styrofoam versus this expensive biodegradable, you won't have that option. So everyone will kind of just shift towards the biodegradable and maybe hopefully with the everyone going to, towards biodegradable, the price will go down. I'm hoping that's how ec economics works at least. <laughs> so I'm hoping like that. That's what will happen. Yeah, so since you guys brought up the plastic bag ban, and know, like, biodegradable plastic bags and other labels are, like, a really hot topic on, like, items now, um, can you tell the listeners about, like, greenwashing, what it means to you, and how companies use that against us? Yeah, you know, actually, that that's a really... So, I so like, if you guys have social media, I, I love seeing uh, people's, like, TikToks about um, um, people who go to grocery stores and specifically look for... Uh, products that are that they're trying to you know they're they're, they're using greenwashing techniques right um, that's definitely something that I um, is very interesting to me and and I see how these companies are using marketing and you know using green colors and using certain words to make it sound like these products are good for the environment um, I don't know if I'm jumping uh, being too uh, telling too much too many stories but like I remember there's this one plastic bag that literally it's a it's a plastic I guess it's biodegradable but we know that biodegradable bags don't do any you know they're not any better than non-biodegradables ask any turtle um <laughs> but if you right there was a plastic bag and it was literally like this really nice like um like a greenish colored bag with this really beautiful um planet a planet with like someone holding it and it literally says saving the planet one bag at a time 
and I just mm-hmm. and it's like it's so and but it was actually a really beautiful bag like the, the image was really nice but I was like wow you're deceiving people into thinking that by using this one instead of you know just a regular um this another white um plastic bag that's not biodegradable you're, you're really deceiving people into thinking that this one is so much better and by you using that one you can feel good about yourself that this is the bag that I'm using that the, that the store gave me and I think it's very sad I feel like we're I, I hate that companies ca- can do that and deceive people. I think it's it's kind of mean, to be honest. I feel like it, it's I think it's kind of mean. It's like yeah. you're making people think that they're doing something good and it's not. Or or another greenwashing thing is like um those bins that have like two holes and they'll say like you know recycling and trash. But like if you were to open the lid, it's one container. Trash. And so you're just making people think that by putting your let's say your plastic bottle or your aluminum can into this hole you're doing something right, but it's really not, and I think that's just, that's just me, and I, I really try my best to, um, if I, if I do find those things, I, um, wait, I'll post it on social media and be like, you know, this is, like, look out for this guy, this is not, this is actually not eco-friendly, or the carbon footprint is still the same, or, you know, whatever it is. Before we continue, MCCA would like to let you know that we still have Fingaiosi cookbooks available at our office. If you'd like one, let us know in the comments or drop a DM in our Instagram at Micronesia Climate Alliance to let us know that you would like an order. We appreciate all the love that you've been showing us for the cookbooks for the past year, and we hope to get out some more to our community. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I was, that was supposed to come up as, like, conversation, but I, I was just gonna, like, ask, how does LGBTQ plus rights and environmental justice, like, what role Ooh. do they play? Intersection. Gosh, ooh, that one. I think with that one, it's, uh, um, pe- people having different values, right, different outlooks on life, and, and kind of how do you approach that, right? How do you, like, how do you approach somebody with, so, like, for as a you know environmentalist or someone that you know wants to you know reduce their carbon footprint reduce their waste and you see you know you see other people who are who are who are, are average people you know just living normally uh, normally and using you know creating a lot of waste not recycling you know wasting energy for example and trying to talk to them about it, it is challenging it is you really do have to um for me i think you need to be you need you need to be sensitive about it you need to be um cautious because i feel like if you come at them aggressively like I feel like for example in my experience it's my my dad so he's like you know this older tomorrow man in his 60s and and it took it took you know years for me to get him to like for example to um to bring his own bag when he goes shop when you go shopping uh, same with my you know my whole family but it's really trying to um trying to bring bring up these issues in a in a sensitive way and and kind of talking about it how you know this is something that I care about you know can we can we change this? And then, so now, how does that relate it to being an, a person of LGBT community, right? Yeah. Like, kind of... I also yeah. wanted to talk about how you take care of yourself and, like, mental health. We did come out of a really, like, stressful year. And I know, too, a lot of what you do... I know we said we wouldn't talk about your work as much, but, like, your work is so important. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is, like, outreach and being in front of people and, like, talking to people. Um was this past year stressful for you? You know, I I, I feel like I, I'm very ble- I feel very blessed that during the pandemic, like at least for 2020, I 
I really, I was really okay. I, I think prior to the pandemic, I think I, I kind of felt tired of how life was. I, I felt exhausted mm-hmm. almost just from just the, the, you know, the eight to five Monday to Friday work week and the occasional weekends working and then, um, going out with friends, you know, late at night on the, in the weekends, that kind of thing. I think I kind of got tired of that. So when, when March came 2020 and I had to stay home and I, I actually really, I really enjoyed it. And it was, I, I know, I know that, that's not the, the case for everyone. And a lot of people really were suffering, going through really hard times. And, and um, I really have to, I want to be sensitive to those people and not say that, you know, it was a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it was, I, I guess I really saw a lot of the, the, the bright, the pluses, the bright sides of, of, of being, having to stay home and having to kind of like really um, reevaluate everything and, and what's important in life. Um, like, for example, my, my partner, Lewis, he, he works in, in retail. He works at uh, Tommy Hilfiger. And um, during when, when, it, when the, the lockdown happened, you know, he was out of work. Yeah. And um, but I was able to still work. Luckily, I was able to work remotely. And I remember him telling me that, you know, he, he feels like he, he felt like his job was not it, he, it was not essential. You know, we always heard like essential businesses, whatnot. And he kept saying it, it's not essential. And he just and it made him feel like some type of way. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, and I asked him, like, what do you mean? Why are you saying that? And he was like, because look at that, like, like there, there's a pandemic and I, and I, I can't get I can't work because um, like my job is not essential. Like retail is not, you know, at least for clothing. Right. It's not essential. And it made me, you know, really think like, wow, I'm, I'm blessed that my my job, you know, was considered essential. And I was still able to work. I was still able to earn money and still able to connect with my with my team at work. And with him, he had to just completely, you know, it was, it was, everything was completely cut off. Like there's no no more working. Um, the malls were closed. Right. And so I, I feel like that the pandemic really made both of us kind of reevaluate like um our you know our careers at the t- you know and what you know what this what this pandemic is doing to us in our careers and how it's affecting me versus him and did, am i answering where where yeah, was this question definitely. going okay <laughs> i think i want to ask a question about inclusivity because you you um are in 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 a gay relationship and you do identify and i'm just trying to bring it back because you didn't have answers sorry okay. <laughs> so but i do want to talk about like how the environmental space and the climate movement and the and and that movement needs to be inclusive so how yes. do you personally um create the spaces of inclusivity and 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 do you think it's important in wanting to ensure sustainability and inclusivity yeah you know i th- i think i think we were we were actually just talking I, I can't remember who i was talking about it with recently we were talking about um just how with any movement um, nowadays, it, it, everything has to be inclusive, right? You can't leave any group out because, because I guess the world is so connected. Like we're all so connected, especially in Guam, right? our community is so small. We're so connected, and if, if you leave out a certain group, it's um, it's almost disrespectful, right? Like you have to, you really do have to include everyone in the conversations for whatever movements that we're trying to whatever agendas we're trying to push forward whether it be environmental or um, social justice whatever it is you do you you do want to include everyone so because we we have seen in the past um movements that um were not inclusive and how that didn't work out it failed or it created more chaos more um 
you know, almost um, it created divides in the community. And so I think it's important to be inclusive and to include everyone in um, all different, different demographics in all the, in our movements. Mm. Um, has there ever been a time that you feel like within the industry that you weren't being included? Like it was a hard to talk to people, certain people, or like, did they give me any pushback? Just because you're gay. Or younger. Or younger. Or brown. Okay, younger or brown. Right, I know, right. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess I, I, gosh, I must be very, I just live in a bubble, right? I feel so, I guess it makes me feel very blessed and fortunate that I have, I haven't been, I haven't experienced that. Like, um, I, I don't think I have, I think, but I think I've also, I think where I am, in 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 the world and in this time of the world i'm very lucky that i i like in like right now 2021 in guam you know in in this pandemic with our with our current leadership i feel like i'm i'm set up for success almost and i think that i'm very blessed and i hope that you know other other um other young brown and gay kids out there are also you know i hope to i hope we continue to have this type of environment for them to be successful in, in their in their futures and in and and, ha and have their voices heard so i think i think maybe 20 years ago i don't think i i wouldn't be this successful with where i am today if it was 20 years ago but i think in today's climate i, I am i think too just that you because you have that attitude of gratitude where you just have mentioned so many times that you feel very blessed that those blessings just keep following you where you're leading with that and that's a really beautiful added like a, just a beautiful way of being and I think in sustainability and talking about regen like wanting to have a regenerative economy or mm. a circular economy it really is about like being thankful for what we have right here right now and not needing anything else not needing to buy this or that or that that but like yeah. really just being and using all that you have and for our islands I think one of the last questions I wanted to get to too is like, what is your dream for sustainability and mm. for our communities, not just on Guam, but in the larger um, Micronesian region? Gosh, you know, I, my dream. Wow. I, I really, I think with the, with the way we've been connecting with, um, with how, at least in the, here in the Pacific, with how much we've been connecting with each other with, all the different um, programs that we have, whether it's with the university or with um, with Best Pack, for example, um, bringing us together and um, you know being inclusive and sharing sharing our values and sharing our cultures with each other, um, as well as with this environmental move, movement that's all of, that's happening globally. I I I I I am I do want to say I'm, I feel positive that things are things are getting better. I know there's still so much work to be done. That's that's for sure. Um, there's still a large group of people that um, probably you know are are not don't feel the same way that we feel about the environment, about the climate, about social justice. Um, but I think there's an even larger group that that does care, and and I think um, again it goes back to our, like our leadership. I really do feel like um, the leaders that we have in place on our island and other islands um, they do want um, to they do want to push forward. You know positive change and with the environment with uh, social justice and I think um, with that I, I, I'm feeling hopeful and positive that things will things will, will are getting better you know I think it's I'm glad that you mentioned that 
that he's always saying how grateful he is and how blessed he is. But, you know, to tie it back to something that we said in the beginning and, um, you know, we asked you like who your role models were and you were like, Ugh, I have to think because there are so many. I think something that I wanted to highlight um, is that you are a role model to so many young people who look up to you and who are like you and like who maybe you might have thought of like yourself as like these kids 20 years ago, you know? So like you're, you're making such a big impression and you said something about said, like you were set up for success, right? And I kind of want to end on like a hopeful note, hopefully. And I wanted to ask you with the work that you're doing now, what is something that you were doing at the moment to set up young men, young women for success? Maybe it be, maybe perseverance. Like I, I think um, because I think when I do discuss right in, like all these environmental issues, right, I always talk about you know these are all the challenges, but I always talk about the um, the opportunities. Like here and here's what we can do about it, and and we can do it. We can do this is what we can do about it, and it's with and with this attitude. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Is having that that good attitude when you when you tackle any of these issues, right? Because if you tackle an issue and you, your attitude isn't so great about it, you're you're gonna you're gonna you're you're gonna be tired of it, and and the people around you are gonna see it, and they're they're gonna see that, and they're gonna be tired of it too. But if you um, come at it with you know this positive energy and uh, and and you this attitude of you know I want things to be better and I and I want you to join me, I think that's contagious, right? That other people would appreciate that. Probably these were contagious. During a pandemic, <laughs> but, but a positive type of contagion. Always in the word positive. <laughs> I really, I personally super appreciate your can-do attitude and spirit because, like, doing climate work, we it, there's it's so easy to go fear, to go yeah. with fear. It's mm-hmm. so easy to be like we're doom and gloom and we're all gonna die and unless we do X, Y, and Z. And I think that you and the work that you've done has made it so that it is more empowering mm-hmm. and that it is like, you know, wanting to make everybody stewards and take that personal responsibility. Yeah, I think that's what's important is making people, every, making everyone understand that, you know, um, in order for us to solve a lot of these issues, we all need to do it together. And so I think kind of um, when I when I do my outreach and when I talk to people just in my, my day to day, I try to kind of let people know that you know all the things that you're doing is helping you know even if it's something small and so i'm hoping that that's like will snowball into um them making more positive changes or talking to other people about these issues and spreading that awareness so we want to thank phil again for that for sharing his time and space and energy with us i definitely feel really renewed and energized just spending that last time catching up with you and we want to be ending every podcast with a little bit of canoe wisdom to help us move forward together and that's the purpose of the one canoe podcast is remembering our ancestors and remembering and tapping into that ancestral wisdom of the seafarers that came before us and phil said something really beautiful about inclusivity and that we're all necessary and that we all have a purpose here and in a canoe when you are all on this vessel riding together out in the middle of the ocean, it is really important to remember that everybody has a role and that everybody is needed and that everybody needs to step up and take responsibility and caring caring for one another to get to that destination. And thank you again, Phil and Cami and Christian for another podcast and we can't wait for the next one.